Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Thursday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi. Glad to have you along for the ride. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad. Something we don't normally do, but we will do today. We've got a leadoff hitter. We're going to go right to the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Seth Emerson has covered the Georgia Bulldogs for, I guess, a little over a decade now. Going back to, uh, I don't know, around 2010 He is currently with The Athletic, covers Georgia, and is kind enough to spend a few minutes with with us this afternoon. Seth, uh, appreciate a few minutes uh, of your time. Such a a strange year where it feels like every week we're hanging on a thread. Is your belief that Mississippi State-Georgia actually happens on Saturday as it is scheduled? Well, I know from Georgia's viewpoint, they, knock on wood, have been fine. They've been fine all along. Um, they desperately want to play this game. They wanted to play last week at Missouri. They even want to play more now. But um, it just depends on Mississippi State. I, I, I mean, you guys have probably heard the same stuff as us. It was maybe a little bit uh, dicey a couple days ago. Georgia felt better yesterday from what they were hearing on the Mississippi State end. And I, I guess at this point, no news is good news, but you'll never feel secure until, I guess, you know, sometime Saturday morning. Yeah. Well, and I, and I guess today's the day that we kind of hang in the balance with the, the Thursday round of testing with those results that come back on uh, on Friday morning. I, I'm curious, and, and this is more of just kind of a, a big picture, but what do you think? Why do you think it is that, that some teams have done a little better job managing things throughout this strange year from a, a, COVID, a COVID positive standpoint? Do you think it's luck, or do you think there's something different that is happening in some places for the teams that have a man, you know, kind of managed to keep themselves in good enough shape to be able to play every week. I, I mean, you talk to Kirby Smart, and while he gives credit to their training staff, he pretty much says that it, it's luck. It's kind of luck of the draw, and that yeah. they've made it this long. And even in their initial testing, when the team came back, they only had, I think, it was a half dozen positives among players. And I think there's been a guy here or there since then. Um, yeah, I mean, does it help that they're somewhat isolated here? That that Athens is is about an hour and a half or a little under that from Atlanta, and you know, there's an ability to isolate a little bit more here, maybe. But you know, Starkville is not exactly near New York City, so 
uh, <laughs> I, I think a lot of it has to do with luck. Yeah. Seth Emerson from The Athletic covers the Georgia Bulldogs. How do you describe this Georgia team? Ooh. Lacking in identity. Um, you know, they, it, it, so much of it was contingent on the defense being elite. And unfortunately for Georgia, what you saw play out in the LSU game in the SEC championship last year played out when they played two similar offenses this year. In by similar, I mean pass, happy, high-powered, et cetera. And Alabama and Florida were able to pass all over them. So you take away the defense being elite. They've been kind of, you know, they, they've struggled against those offenses but been shut down against everybody else. But in those two big games, the defense struggles, and then so it comes back to the offense, which everyone knew was going to be a work in progress this year, and it's only been magnified. And with the quarterback situation just being as you know, unsettled, kind of thrown into tatters when Jamie Newman opted out. Um, it's it's just it's been a struggle. It's it's not been a fun year for for Georgia. Uh, they're going to try and finish it on a high note, but this is the first time that they're at this point in the season and not control of their own destiny. Uh, they need they need Florida to lose twice for them to have a chance to get back to Atlanta. And you look at Florida's schedule, and there's not much chance of that happening. Yeah. I guess we're about three months removed from it now. Was there ever more to the Jamie Newman story with regard to him opting out? I mean, because it, it seemed like a really good situation uh, for him to come in, play a year, maybe elevate yeah. his draft stock a, a, a little bit. Was there more to the story than him just opting out, or was it as simple as he decided he was better served to go get ready for the NFL draft? I, I think it was probably that the latter, that he, he felt like he, uh, that it was kind of a calculation that he would be better off doing that. Um, I think when JT Daniels was brought in, he kind of thought, well, you know, what's going on here? Uh, should I be looking over my shoulder? Even though it was pretty clear that he was going to be the starter, um, especially looking back now, considering how they're not going to JT Daniels until now, and they had to go to Dwan Mathis and then Stetson Bennett. Um, but it's something that's always going to be murky. I think when Newman eventually starts to talk, he's going to say the same thing that he did when he announced that it was about the the pandemic. And, you know, certainly maybe some of that played into it, but most people around here think it, it just had a lot more to do about uh, getting ready for the draft and making a kind of a cold calculation about what was best for him. Visiting with Seth Emerson, he writes that the Athletic covers Georgia has for a uh, for a long time. Uh, whether it's right or wrong, Kirby Smart is always going to be linked to Nick Saban. Um, both defensive guys. You look at Saban, and he made a calculated decision to kind of change the identity of Alabama offensively uh, a few years back, and I guess that was you know Lane Kiffin, and obviously it's carried on with Sark, and 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 we've seen that evolution to where Alabama is just deadly offensively. And yet it doesn't really feel like Kirby has made that same decision to really commit to changing who they are offensively. Is that coming? Did he feel like he was making that decision and bringing in Todd Munkin, or is that still to be determined? I think he felt like he was making that decision um, by bringing in Todd Munkin, and they haven't been able to do it because of what happened. Uh, the First, you have the pandemic, which means you're not able to really install your offense uh, the way you want to. 
And then halfway through preseason camp, your presumed starting quarterback opts out. Um, the guy that you had is kind of the, the backup option, um, just wasn't ready like they expect him to be in JT Daniels. And so here they sit. And it, I, I think it just has not been, it has not played out the way they wanted it to. Um, but I think they expected to be more opened up, more downfield vertical throwing. Um, but they just haven't been able to do to do that. And they probably feel robbed of it because this was what they wanted to do. And <laughs> events largely out of their control prevented it. I guess I've got enough friends in the state of Georgia and have spent enough time around Athens to, to feel like, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but, but Georgia fans felt like it was a turning of the page. And the recruiting has been so incredible. Not that Mark Richt wasn't recruiting at a high level, but this has taken it to an even even farther level. We know Georgia fans grew frustrated with Mark Richt not being able to get Georgia over the hump. They've been close under Kirby Smart, obviously, playing in a national championship game and another college football playoff appearance and SEC title games and, and whatnot. Are we close to that to a comparable level of frustration among Georgia fans that, that existed at the end of the Mark Richt era? No, I, I don't, because things had become so divisive at the end of the Mark Richt era. You, you had certainly, in, you had 15 years of you know body of work to judge it on, and either you thought that he should go or he should stay. It wasn't like, give him more time. Um, hmm. I mean, some people did say, give him more time when, with Jacob Eason coming in, because he was committed at that time, and that quarterback, as it is now, was considered to be the, the big problem in the offense. Um, but with Kirby, you're only now, halfway through, a little over halfway through year five, having people now really question him. And you, frankly, you are seeing the results backslide. You're, you're seeing things you know, they, they go to the national championship game as year two, year three. They lose in the SEC championship game, but lose a very close one, heartbreaker. Year four, they lose by getting routed in the SEC championship game. Year five now, not going to make the SEC championship game at all. Um, so you're going backwards even as the recruiting has gone up. At the same time, you can't really say that Kirby Smart can't coach him up because he did that in year two with Mark Rick's recruits who weren't quite as highly rated. So there isn't enough body of work. Um, but there are people that are frustrated. And look, the reason he was brought in here was to win a championship because Mark Rick did everything except that. Now, he didn't make the national championship game either, which Kirby did, but um, he might have if there had been a playoff some of his sure. years. So look, Kirby understands it. Everyone here understands that he's ultimately going to be judged by whether or not he wins the national championship. 30 seconds left. Are things going to look different with JT Daniels starting on Saturday? I, I, I have a, I, I don't know. Um, I wish I could tell you because this is the first time they're going with a traditional pocket quarterback that looks like him. Dwan Mathis and Stetson Bennett were both athletic guys. I think that's why they went to them. Um, when Jamie Newman opted out, that and JT Daniels just not being healthy enough and feeling good with the knee. JT Daniels clearly is not going to be running around scrambling. They're going to be throwing the ball downfield a little bit more. How different they're going to look, it's still going to be hard to tell, especially when you could argue Georgia hasn't been running the ball enough. So they might be 
a little bit more run oriented with him out there, which means lessen the chances of him getting hit and everything um, than they have been the last few weeks. Great insight, Seth. Thanks for your time this afternoon. Thanks, guys. That's Seth Emerson from The Athletic, covers Georgia. We'll be right back. All right, so hit the ground running today. Uh, good conversation with Seth Emerson. He's covered Georgia for a long time, pretty uh, level-headed. Some interesting stuff about the uh, Georgia Bulldogs with him right out of the gate. Joining us on the Farm Bureau phone line, check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau, Georgia and Mississippi State, scheduled for 6.30 Central Time on the SEC Network on Saturday night. So uh, a couple of days away. Sounds like Georgia is in pretty good shape from a COVID standpoint. Pretty big news that JT Daniels is going to get the start, and uh, we will anxiously await the results of today's COVID testing when they come in tomorrow with regard to Mississippi State. Brian, hey, Dad, what's up? Well, while we were talking to Seth, MSU had another player hit the transfer portal, so that number we had yesterday of 55 is now down to one. Powers Warren, the uh, son of Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren, is officially uh, in the portal. So right now, Mississippi State's at a point where basically one COVID positive in this group of testing is going to put an end to it. Holy Hi. crap. How confident are we in that 54 number? Pretty confident. I mean, it's being reported by multiple people. Yeah. We're kind of looking yesterday, Robbie Falk put that uh, number, what, it was 17 players who had either opted out or transferred um, had gone into the transfer portal since the spring. So it, what, what number, what was the starting point? What do we believe the starting point was when fall camp, fall practice began in August? What what the what the uh, the roster was at? Yeah, I mean, in terms of available scholarship players, man, I, I'm doing guesswork. It it was over seventy though. Okay, maybe in the I mean, seventy five range. I mean, seventy since, to seventy five. Yeah, I mean, Tyler Williams opted out in fall camp. Uh, so did Javoris Selman. Um. Yeah, that's going to be about right. Probably mid-70s, yeah. So in the neighborhood of 10 players, 10 to 12, have left the team for one reason or another during the course of the season. So let's just just say 72 was the number at the start of fall camp. That would get you down to 60, and then another six or so injuries that have gotten it down to 54. Is that close to making sense? Yeah, that's that's about what you are. Yeah, when you, the, the the number, the 54 number, is taken into account all your transfer portal guys, all your opt outs, and all your season ending injuries, guys like Fred Peters and so on and so forth. Uh, so yeah. that's that's where you are, and then you've got your guys. That that's probably in the mid the low to mid-60s, and then you've just got guys who aren't available this weekend for whatever yeah. reason, small, small or more minor injuries. Hmm. Boy, you want to talk about hanging on the edge. I mean, that I mean, is, it's, that is it's it. It's beyond just this game, too. It's, I mean, the season is hanging at this point. Yeah, forgive yeah. me for being a pessimist, but I, I at this point I'd be surprised if we play next week. 
Yeah, right right now, if you said you, you said I had to put money on something, I would put money on there's no egg bowl next week. That screws everything up, by the way. That's yeah. That's, everything. Yeah. But that's where we are. Is there anything the SEC office can do? I've been asked a lot about that lately uh, because, you know, a lot of people are talking about, well, there's teams and a lot of fingers are being pointed at Texas A&M because the more like podcasts and stuff I listen to from sports writers, the more people allude to the fact that Kellen Mond would have not been able to play this week against Ole Miss may or may not be true. I don't know, but should the SEC office, what can they do? Is there anything that they can do right now watching this unfold to where if Mississippi State is not able to play Ole Miss next weekend, games will get canceled? Multiple. More than one. There's no other way around it. Is there anything they can do? Or is Greg Sankey and his team's hands just completely tied here and they're just hoping that Mississippi State comes out of a physical game with Georgia, 100% healthy, they don't have another opt-out, and they're dropping like flies at this point, and there's not a single COVID positive? Is there anything they can quick, do? Let me give a quick update here. I got a, a source. Get some live breaking news here. Okay. Uh, basically, what they're saying is that Warren hasn't actually been dressed for a number of weeks or been available, so we we shouldn't be counting him on the 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 fifty five number. Is what I, I guess they're trying okay. to tell me. So so nothing's so that, changed I mean, from yesterday. Nothing's changed from yesterday, but I st- you still have no right. no margin at fifty five. So yeah, I, I'm just I'm spitballing here. Is there, would there be a, a stronger likelihood that the Egg Bowl is actually played next weekend if Mississippi State doesn't play Georgia this weekend? That, I mean, that feels right, doesn't it? Because yeah. any injuries that you accumulate in this game, and this is a football game against a good football team, somebody's going to take a knock, right? Somebody's going to turn an ankle, bang up a shoulder, get a stinger, something. Anything is, is just going to hurt you. Yeah. Mm. So, so my guess, crazy, so my, my, crazy time. Yeah, we'll, we'll find out a little bit more. You know, like you said, with uh, Seth. I mean, they're testing today. Don't know when those are, but tomorrow morning. Well, they test in the morning the on Thursday. The results are the tests are shipped off. The results come back on Friday morning. Okay. So well, we'll we should know tomorrow, tomorrow morning. morning. Follow me at Brian Haydad. Yeah. Um. I guess one thing that I'm curious about, and because Mississippi State, and, and I, I'm not saying they should be, just a matter of fact, they have at no point this season been forthcoming with regard to who's out because of COVID yeah. and contact tracing. They, they have not right. specifically, and really, some schools have been, most have not. So, so that's yeah. not unique to Mississippi, not a Mississippi State. State thing. Yeah, but I am and, curious uh, if. They've got players coming back off of contact tracing mm-hmm. that would give them more wiggle room for next week than maybe they have this week. Possibly, possibly. I, I mean, if you, uh, anybody who you know tested last week, I guess, and, and would be coming out of it next week. I mean, I, the math on this is just beyond me sometimes, and 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 all the the. Uh, the, the, the different things that are going on. But I, I get what you're saying, for sure, that it feels like they might have some guys come back next week. Not, and not only that, just for, from injury. So, I don't know. Well, and, and I mean, it, it's pretty simple math. I mean, the Egg Bowl is scheduled to be paid, played on the 28th. 
if you rewind 14 days, that takes you back to Saturday the 14th, but anybody that was ruled out on Friday the 13th because of contact tracing, when those test results came back and you did the subsequent contact tracing, they would get those players back for the game against Ole Miss. Right. So. All right. So we'll see. Yeah. That's all it is. Just we'll see. Our pets' heads are falling off. Cats and dogs living together. Mass hysteria. Goodness gracious. So you know what's going to happen. You talked about it, Richard. I think it was Tuesday when you said it's going to really piss you off if Mississippi State plays Georgia but cannot play the Egg Bowl. And that's exactly what we're about to see happen right in front of our eyes. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that, that anger is the right emotion. It's more like frustration, though. Yeah. Because the Egg Bowl's a big deal in the state of Mississippi. It's a big deal in years when Ole Miss is good and Mississippi State's bad. It's a big year. Uh, it's a big deal in years when Mississippi State is good and Ole Miss is bad. It's a big deal in years when they're both bad. And it's a big deal in years when both teams are good. I mean, it doesn't really matter... I mean, maybe one fan base is more engaged or, or more excited about the game than the other, but everybody still watches. Everybody's still engaged to, to some level. Even if you're like frustrated and you've thrown in the towel on a season, you still keep an eye on what's going on in the Egg Bowl and not and getting that. Silly conspiracy theories. You're still engaged. Do what now? Even if you're putting out silly conspiracy theories, you're still engaged. Yeah. And goodness knows there have been conspiracy theories that abound that originate in Oxford and silly conspiracy uh, uh, conspiracy conspiracy theories that abound that originate in Starkville. Yes. That is what are you talking about they're both completely true. Conspiracy theories are only conspiracies when you can't prove them. Buddy, my friend who talked to a guy that's a big booster told me different. So, Ramrod Rebel 420. Yeah. <laughs> Cigar oh, Dog me. 69 said this on the yeah. message board. So, you know, <laughs> it, it's been a weird year regardless. We know that there are times where it felt more normal than others, but we have certainly cycled back to the full on weirdness category. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. We'll take a timeout, and we'll be right back. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Why are you laughing at me? Stream Watcher's got a bit of a show there. I was talking, but I did not have my mic turned up. Sorry, I'm answering the phone during the break. <laughs> so, uh, good to be with you. Ceasefire text line is open, 601-879-4395. Bull. There's a lot of it in wireless, but Ceasefire thinks you deserve a plan that's actually what it says. So here's the real deal. The best plan for one or two lines, $45 each with auto pay and paperless billing. No bull. Ceasefire.com. I told you very clearly yesterday that nobody, and I mean nobody, walks into Mount Pleasant, Indiana, and pushes around the Central Michigan Chippewas. Except for the Western Michigan Broncos. It does on occasion happen when Western Michigan rolls into town. 
And so it's a good thing that we got that late-breaking news yesterday that said, whoop, 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 Central Michigan not to play. The over is the play. Forget what we said about a parlay at the end. Forget about that. Pretend like that didn't happen. If you jumped on the over yesterday, you, I mean, you felt good like mid-third quarter. Because that was officially, I think, <laughs> what the Pearl River Resort pick of the day was yesterday. A little, uh, little drama in that Maxion game last night. I say drama, just a lot of offense. A lot yeah, of offense. I didn't watch. I'm one of those idiots that uh, tuned into the NBA draft. Did you? Well, well, some of us had to do that for work. So Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I did. I, I watched it. And um, I think ESPN did a good job with the all-virtual thing. Uh, it felt pretty good. And they had a trial run with a much more important NFL draft a few months ago. So I imagine that they were able to work all the kinks out. But it didn't feel unnatural. I mean, the guys were in their living rooms. They didn't get to go up on stage, and their talks with Adam Silver were awkward because he was standing in this giant room by himself, and he's a very tall, like, concerningly skinny man. Very tall, very bald man. Yeah, and just him talking to a screen was a little odd, but it felt pretty good. So they did a good job, and ESPN deserves credit for that. Their problem is they have a reporter that they employ that gives the picks... Ten minutes before they get picked on television. So if you, if you'd rather just scroll on social media, you know who every who's picking who long before they actually talk about it on TV. I don't know how you how you stop that because that's what he does. And that's why he's so great. But Woj was scooping his own broadcast. So a couple of years ago, didn't they put? Stuff in place that where he had to agree to stop tipping picks or so he some, has to, so what happened? He has to say he can't say Phoenix is selecting John Smith for the number six overall pick. He has to say Phoenix is interested in selecting this player at number six or something like that. So he can't hmm. say they're doing it, but he says they're doing it anyway. That was their compromise. It was uh, it was a pretty good night for the SEC. You know, yes, the Southeastern was. Conference, in terms of basketball, has made a bunch of strides in recent years. Anthony Edwards, the freshman out of Georgia, goes number one overall to Minnesota. Isaac Okoro out of Auburn goes fifth to Cleveland. You had Kyra Lewis Jr. go 13th overall to the New Orleans Pelicans. Aaron Neesmith went 14th to Vanderbilt. Didn't you get to call a game of Lewis's, or am I misremembering that? Uh, I can't remember if I had an Alabama game this past year. I I did not have Alabama this past year. I did two years ago when he was a freshman. Okay, because I've seen him obviously. Yeah. yeah. Um. What, so I'm interested because I don't particularly remember Alabama having this number thirteen overall pick apparent. I mean, he, he's the fastest guy in the draft as far as like his combine measurements and stuff. Uh, I, I'm just curious at the pick. Apparently, he's a pretty good shooter for for a point guard, but. They're not moving him, obviously, but I wonder if, because he's so similar in style to Lonzo Ball, that they might consider moving Lonzo. I don't know what they're doing right now. They're working up something, because they have like five point guards on roster right now. But I was fascinated by that pick, because the guy right after him, Neesmith, was somebody that would have been an immediate need for them. And they chose to go the point guard route when they've got half a hundred of them on roster already. Just, Just for me... 
he falls in the same sort of category as Edwards did. Like, really good basketball player, but I never looked, watched him and thought, man, that's a guy who's a surefire star pro. Yeah. Kyra Lewis was a star coming out of high school. He was really good his freshman year, and he was good last year. I mean, I... Maybe I'm not watching the college game exactly the way I should be. He's, he's he's thin. That doesn't mean you can't play. There's some guys that you look at them and you go, that guy is a pro. Anthony Edwards yeah. looks that way. James Wiseman looks that way. Uh, a lot of the guys out of Kentucky have absolutely looked like that. There was no question. Robert Woodard, to me, always looked like a pro. Kyra Lewis Jr., from a skill set standpoint, I had lots and lots and lots of people tell me, oh, this guy's a pro. And I'm not going to argue with that at all because I, I'm, I'm on board. They're smarter than I am. That's what they do. They do draft evaluations. But he wasn't one that I looked, like, looked at and I'm like, man, there's no question that that guy is a bona fide lottery pick. I don't look at Kyrie Lewis Jr. and think John Morant. Maybe wrong on that. So we'll, we'll see. That's one that I'll be interested to see how it plays out. Uh, Neesmith's such a good shooter. I think that's a pretty good fit for him in Boston. Um, Tyrese Maxey falling all the way to 21. The 76ers take him out of Kentucky. Emmanuel quickly out of Kentucky as well. Goes to the Thunder at 25. Uh, so pretty, what, five, six picks out of the SEC in the uh, in the first round last night. And then when you get into the second round, you uh, you see more names, including Robert Woodard, the <coughs> second's name. He's taken by the Grizzlies and then is traded to Sacramento. So Woodard is headed to the West Coast. Saban Lee out of Vanderbilt goes with the 38th pick to the Jazz. You had... Um, Nick Richards out of Kentucky, he looks like a pro to me, going 42nd to the Pelicans. Then they shipped him off to Charlotte. Okay, they, they sent him to Charlotte, okay. They Well, they actually picked him for Charlotte, so they didn't draft and trade him. They drafted him to the team they were trading the pick to, basically. Yeah. Arkansas's Isaiah Joe gets drafted in the second round, so does Skylar Mays out of LSU. And Skyler Mays, really good player. And then you get Reggie Perry going to Brooklyn with the 27th pick of the second round, 57th pick overall. So let's talk about those two guys, hey, Dad, just for a second for Mississippi State. Sure. Robert Woodard II headed west to Sacramento, and Reggie Perry headed to the northeast to be on that team in Brooklyn, which looks like it's going to be a fun team. I mean, yeah, I mean... If I'm Reggie Perry, I'm really excited about that. And they might be adding Harden. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they've got Durant, who missed all of last year. Kyrie Irving missed most of last year. They might add Harden. I mean, they're going to be a favorite to to win it all. And Perry provides something that none of those three guys I mentioned provide, which is just interior toughness, rebounding, a guy who can, you know, you can just let him, you know, be a, a good defender down low. So he has a role to play, I think, for that team. Yeah, and Jared Allen's a good player, too. 
the guy with the, he's got an incredible afro if he keeps it. I mean, it's just perfectly round. It's amazing. I, I don't know how long he spins on it, but really good big. And, and I don't know if they deal him in order to make the Harden thing work, but Houston's not really uh, just dying to give him up, even though he's not happy there. But, that, I mean, that's a guy as a young rookie that you come in and learn from. That's a really nice fit, potentially. And he'll probably end up playing for their G League, at least for a little while. But um, that's a nice fit right now. I'm glad for Perry, too. That was a guy that, you know, it was obvious his plan coming into Mississippi State was, I'm not going to be here very long. You know, he would have been could have been a one-and-done had he had a little bit more uh, his freshman. I, I never thought he'd, he'd see a junior year, and he didn't. But at the same time, you know, his game is just sort of old school. He is a, a, an old school on the block, low post player, which is something the NBA has sort of gotten away from him. So I was, you know, mock drafts had he I hadn't seen him in one for a few weeks. Yeah. So glad to see him do that. Good, good kid, you know. Always was, you know, good interview, and uh, we'll see what he does in Brooklyn. Mike in Oxford says, how wild is it that Vandy is the only school in the SEC to have back-to-back lottery picks? Darius Garland, two years ago, he played, what, six, seven games for Vanderbilt before getting hurt and being out for the rest of the year. And then Aaron Neesmith, who was just absolutely lighting it up a year ago for Vanderbilt. He was clearly the best scorer in the Southeastern Conference last year and was just like in this zone where the, the bucket looked like it was three times larger than normal he gets hurt he's out for the rest of the year and Vanderbilt what in two seasons has won three conference games that is that's tough that's tough to look at two lottery picks in your program with three conference wins over the course of two seasons sports talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, and Michael Borky. Tiger Woods is doing something that he rarely does. He is adding a new event to his tournament-playing calendar. We will see Tiger Woods in the month of December, and he will be teamed up with his 11-year-old son, Charlie, In what was formerly the PNC Father-Son Challenge, the now PNC Challenge is a team event that features former major and players winners competing in a scramble format with a family member. And Tiger will play in this event for the very first time. The rest of the field is Mark Kalkovecchia with his son, John Daly, and his son who just... Uh, committed to the University of Arkansas to play college golf there. You've seen him, right? Yeah. Spitting image. <laughs> is that is that fair to say, spitting oh, image? Yeah. No, I mean, he is his dad, but 17. Yes. Which is maybe a little scary. <laughs> swings like his dad, too. And speaking of swings, have you seen little Charlie Woods swing a golf club? He's got a pretty good junior golf career going on at the age of 11. It's perfection. That kid, if he continues to be interested in golf, is going to be a star. He's got a better swing than some guys on tour. It is perfect at that age especially. But, I mean, in general, I have never swung a club like that, and he's 11. See, uh, David Duvall, Jim Furyk, Padraig Harrington, Lee Jansen, Tom Kite, Matt Kuchar, Bernhard Longer, 
Tom Lehman, Greg Norman, Marco Mira, all playing with their sons. Same thing for Nick Price and Vijay Singh, Lee Trevino, and Tiger Woods. Gary Player is in the field with his grandson. Annika Sorenstam will be in the field playing with her father, Justin Thomas, making his debut in this event, and he is playing with his father. And if you're looking for something on the side, look for trash talk from 11-year-old Charlie Woods in the direction of Justin Thomas. They kind of go after each other a little bit. It uh, It's going to be carried on Golf Channel and NBC in December. And you'll probably hear more about this event than you would have otherwise because, well, Tiger Woods is playing in it. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I can't thought wait. That was a, thought that was a fun little story. Yeah, I can't wait to do that with a little guy. He's finally walking, like really walking. And so Christmas is coming with a set of plastic golf clubs, and buddy, he's going to learn how to swing. Oh, we got a new driver for his birthday. Nice. So he's had the uh, the U.S. Kids Golf Set. He and uh, his older sister have. Ava Montgomery has shown no interest. In fact, I told Ava Montgomery the other day. I said, "Hey, sweetie, if you want to, if you're interested in playing golf, then we can do lessons, or we can get you involved in a clinic. We'll get you, you know, clubs that fit you." She said, "Okay." She's like. But please don't be disappointed if I don't want to do it. <laughs> I said, it's Fair. cool. She's got plenty going on. She's doing dance. Oh, nice. She's doing uh, ballet. Uh, she's got her, her, her point shoes this week. That was a big deal. And she's taking tennis lessons and piano lessons. And so there, there's plenty on her plate. I'm not worried about that. It's a busy little one. My dad used she, to always say, if you have girls, get them into golf because they just toss scholarships out. Maybe not anymore because of COVID and whatnot. But uh, female golfers, if you can just play a little, you'll go yeah. to college for free. I agree. And I would be lying if I didn't say that had not been in the back of my mind when I said <laughs> to my you know, tall, thin, beautiful ten-year-old daughter. Hey, if you want to pick it up, then I, I'm, you know, happy to help in the process. Not interested. So you look at that college fine. fund and think, God, Dad, Dad wants a new truck. Yeah, whatever, uh, whatever it is that she wants to do, that's what uh, that's what I'm going to be supportive of. So, but no, Obi loves it. He's he's doing a little golf clinic once a week, and you know, we've talked about some individual lessons. But he was uh, so Borky. He's had a um, but a pitching wedge, an eight iron, a six iron, and a five wood. It was a little four club and a putter. So it was a little yeah. five club set with a little bag. And he had been asking for it. He's like, Dad, can I get a driver? Can I get a driver? Can I get a driver? So he got a driver for his birthday. Nice. And uh, he hits it. I was proud of him. Took him to the range the other day, and he's cranking it out. There. I mean, yeah, what? 75, 100 yards, something like that. But he's eight. I'm yeah. proud of that. It's awesome. He does not swing it like Charlie Woods, I will say that. <laughs> I think that's all right. He is still on a trajectory of good. I'm telling you, nobody swings like little Charlie Woods. No matter what age, nobody swings like that. It's awesome. If uh, if you want to be part of the conversation, you can do so on the C Spire text line. We'll take a quick timeout, and the 4 o'clock hour is on the way. Lee Sterling coming up in the 4 o'clock hour, as he does every Thursday. We will, uh, we will also chat a little bit uh, later in the show today with uh, some more folks on the C Spire text line. 
excuse me, on the Farm Bureau phone line. You can be part of the show on the Ceasefire text line. We'll be right back. You. Four o'clock hour with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, be honest, you know your business deserves better, so get better with a C Spire business internet and phone bundle backed by real support. See how C Spire can power your success today at cspire.com slash business. We are glad to have you along for the ride this afternoon. The C Spire text line is open at 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. So we get some news today from the College Football Playoff Committee. The management committee, kind of the governing board that oversees this, met recently and decided to stay firm on their dates, the dates of January 1st as college football playoff semifinals and January 11th for the national championship game. They agreed yesterday to keep the playoff on its current timeline and name a national champion as planned in South Florida unless the coronavirus pandemic forces a schedule change. That's according to Bill Hancock. He told that to ESPN. The management committee, which is made up of the 10 FBS commissioners and Notre Dame athletic director Jack Swarbrick, also determined that if a semifinalist is unable to play because of a COVID-19 disruption after Selection Day, which this year is December 20th, the selection committee would not choose a replacement team. Now, Bill Hancock declined to speculate on what might happen, but said the committee will continue to do its due diligence between now and selection weekend. During and through, uh, during a thorough and robust, robust conversation, the CFP management committee today agreed not to place a replacement team in the playoffs should a school not be able to field a team because of COVID after Selection Day. They also decided that each team will use its conference's COVID-19 testing protocol in connection with the playoff games. Said the management committee also made clear that the CFP games will be played on the scheduled dates. They reserve the right to discuss this again if circumstances change, but our planning is centered on holding the games on their scheduled dates. Okay, so in a perfect world, Rose Bowl Sugar Bowl hosts the semifinal games on January 1st, Next Tuesday will be the first revealing of the College Football Playoff Committee rankings. There doesn't appear to be much of a contingency plan in place, at least not one that they are willing to roll out publicly. But am I supposed to take this at face value? Because I feel like I'm left with a question. We're going to hold to our timeline. We're not going to replace a team that can't play because of COVID. Okay, I need to know what that means. Does that mean if you are in a semifinal game and you have a COVID outbreak, that the semifinal game is going to be pushed back until that has been taken care of and you will be able to play the game? Or does that mean a team in a semifinal game whose opponent 
cannot play because of COVID gets an automatic berth in the championship game. I'm left to wonder that answer because they did not make it clear. Am I not reading that right? I was under the impression that they will not... So, here's Brett McMurphy. If any team is selected for the four-team playoff and they are not able to play because of COVID issues, those teams will not be replaced. Most likely, the college football playoff game would be moved to a later date until it could be played. Okay. Quote from a source, uh, uh, an anonymous source, assuming it's probably someone in Bill Hancock's circle, we do not want a forfeit. The last thing we want is a forfeit. And they, they have a lot of flexibility to work with, right? I mean, they don't want to push these games back a month or two months, but it's four teams. That's it. And the venues are not really in use. They, they can work around an outbreak within one team because, I mean, whose timeline are, are they on other than their own? And it's only four teams in three games they have to worry about scheduling-wise. So can't they be really flexible with this as long as the venues are? And I imagine they're going to be because they want these games to happen no matter when they happen. All right, let's think this through, though, for a second. College football playoff teams, hey, Dad, are announced on December 20th. What happens right after December 20th? Right after December 20th? Yes, five days later. Christmas. Christmas. Christmas happens five days later. I felt way too obvious. I was like, where is he going? So if the teams are announced on the 20th, if you're in the playoff, you're probably going to practice on the 21st, the 22nd, and the 23rd, and then you're going to let your players go home for a couple of days. And then you're going to going to reconvene on the 26th. Guess what the first thing they're going to do is when they reconvene on the 26th is? Tests for COVID? They're going to do COVID testing. And if you test on the 26th, you'll get the results on the 27th. Okay. Let's say some positives come back. Let's say that uh, Clemson has three players that test positive, and on the day they return to campus... They had a normal practice and were in position groups and whatever else, and contact tracing ties 17 players to those three. And Clemson is down 20 players for the semifinal game that is supposed to be played in four days, five days. Okay. So are we now going to postpone that playoff game for 14 days from the 27th? What would you rather them do? Oh, no, I'm great with that. I don't understand that's, the ambiguity of the press release, though. They're just trying to I, uh, I guess okay. just trying to appease the Rose Bowl a little bit here, knowing that very easily the Rose Bowl, and more, more than likely the Rose Bowl is not getting played on June. By the way, real quick, isn't the real reason the tie-up of the Rose Bowl is the parade? They're not having the parade this year, are they? Yeah, they're not. So then what is the tie-up? Move the Rose Bowl to February 13th. Who cares? Okay, so but so answer me this. So let's say the Rose Bowl gets postponed to January 10th because that's when Clemson can play. Are you still going to play the Sugar Bowl on January 1st? That's a good question. 
So now you're going to play the Sugar Bowl on January 1st. You're going to wait nine days, and and these are hypothetical dates, but used based on the calendar that we're the COVID calendars that we're looking at. You know, ten days, fourteen days for ten days for positives, fourteen for for contact tracing, in terms of how long you got to be out. So, are you going to let the the winner of the Sugar Bowl, one of the two semifinals, if it's played as scheduled on January first, sit? From January 1st until January 17th or January 18th to play in the national championship game? It, it just depends on if it's Alabama or not. If it's Alabama, they'll give them the rest. If not, I don't know. I have a feeling they would the push rest, though? both games back. No, That's, probably not. I bet yeah, they would push both games back. If one gets pushed, they're both going to get pushed. They're going to try to keep it as even a playing field as they can. So now you open an additional two weeks up for other teams to possibly <laughs> have COVID outbreaks. Yeah, I mean, you got to do what you got to do, right? It, y- yeah, yeah, no, I understand. Yeah. And at that point, when it's just four schools, I wouldn't be surprised if they created an actual bubble. We're, we're doing playoff preparation for the next three weeks. You are at your dorm, at your apartment, or you are at our facility, and that's what you do because – it's playoff time, and that's what you were, were going to be doing anyway. So they would create a quasi bubble because at I'd that take point, it a step farther than that. I wouldn't do dorms and apartments. I'd put them up in a hotel for two weeks. Yeah, where you really yeah. control the environment. Mm-hmm. I and mean, people, basically, you you create a road game scenario where you're doing team meetings, practice, hotel rooms, eating. And then playing video games until you go to sleep and do it all over again. Oh, but they they got to do class, too, because they're student-athletes. They're going virtual. <laughs> Man, <laughs> does anybody start class by then? Or is Ole Miss the only school in the country that doesn't, like, start the spring semester until Valentine's Day? Buddy, that extra three grand they get per student for those two weeks is too good to pass up. I, I, I get it. <laughs> Are they going to do that this year? Virtually? Has a little intercession deal virtually? I I don't know. So many questions, so few answers. We'll see if Lee Sterling's got answers for some of these games that are coming up this weekend. We'll talk to him next on the Farm Bureau phone line. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad. Let's go back to the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Lee Sterling joins us right now from Paramount Sports. His website is paramountsports.com. Lee, three football and or UFC plays this weekend. Is that right? Yeah, it's customer appreciation week so one week each year i like to put myself out there and say here no strings attached here's three free games uh you can pick football or ufc we're running about 95 percent football but um just my way of saying thank you and i know if i go two and one for people or three and oh they're going to probably want to come back and join us so get three free games that we're playing and uh we'll just call it the office 800-400-9741 and we'll email them to you 
There you go. 1-800-400-9741. 800-400-9741. Call Lee at Paramount Sports, and you can get those three free football or UFC plays this weekend. Um, Georgia hosting Mississippi State. This is one that it feels like it, we've been talking about it for a couple of days. I mean, it's just hanging on by a thread as to whether or not this game actually gets played because right. of Mississippi State's roster issues. Georgia, pretty big favorite, and we get the news that uh, JT Daniels is going to start. What should we be looking at here? So uh, I think Mississippi State might find a way to cover this game. I think the line's going to go up. So if you like the state like I do, uh, you wait. Uh, big number for the Georgia offense. I mean, he, he must not have looked too good in practice uh, the last six, seven weeks, or else he would have played already. So obviously, no, they need passing. And they're just not even close to clicking on all cylinders. The Mississippi State defense is competitive. Uh, both teams, um, you know, I, I think that, that Mississippi State's just going to use that short passing game and actually might eat up some of the clock here. So I, I just don't know where Georgia's motivation here is. It's a team that's, you know, hadn't been in this, this situation in the last four years. They've always been playing uh, for the, at least the SEC championship. So I like Georgia to win 34-14. Game's played. Uh, I think Mississippi State might find a way to cover. So 34-14, and there's a relatively low total in this game at 44.5. Is that a strong play on the over, or maybe um, not? Yeah, I think I think Georgia's going to try to throw the football. So if they throw the football, and we know uh, Mississippi State's going to throw the football, two teams throwing the ball, a lot of you know incompletions, give it a shot. All right. Looks like uh, looks like that game uh, is currently at minus twenty five. Georgia favored by twenty five in the uh, in the game. Another SEC game with uh, one of the smaller lines. We got some big lines out there this week. Yeah. Tennessee at Auburn. Auburn is a ten and a half point favorite in the game. The Auburn Tigers are four and two. You can quibble with their record if you would like, but ultimately it's what the scoreboard says, and they have four wins against two losses. Tennessee's lost four in a row. It's been yeah. a long time. It feels like now since they had the longest winning streak in the entire country. Uh, and I don't, I don't know what they do here, quarterback. I mean, if it's me, I play the young kid. If I'm a coach and you think that you have, you know, you're going to be coaching there next year, I go with Harrison Bailey. If you're trying to win maybe one game, okay, okay, maybe give it a shot with Joe Gartano. But I, they got problems with both. Both those guys are not playing at a high level here. Um, they also need more creativity on offense. Um, just the plays, they look stale. Um, change the tempo, do something. Whereas Auburn, uh, they're running the football at least 200 rushing yards each of the last four games, and it's opening up for, for Bo Nix. Uh, no interceptions the last two games. And uh, the question here is, you know, can Auburn, um, can they hold down Tennessee? I mean, Auburn's going to score probably 31, 34 points in this game. So can Tennessee score above 22 to 24 points? I don't think so. I think Tennessee is desperate. I just think they're incapable. I like uh, Auburn here, 34-17. 34-17, Auburn with a relatively comfortable cover, if that turns out to be the uh, final case. I do want to ask you about another SEC game. Yep. This LSU at Arkansas game is going to kick off at 11 o'clock. Arkansas, like Mississippi State, hanging on by a thread. And Sam Pittman was incredibly candid today. He said basically they're holding their breath uh, waiting on those test results from the test that they took today, he said they're very, very close. If the game is played, LSU's a two and a half point favorite in Fayetteville, and I don't understand why. Well, here's the deal: if you watch the or watch the Florida tape, and 
I thought the Arkansas defense had a little more. Their defensive line, they got absolutely no pressure. I mean, there was probably 70% of the plays where the guys didn't get more than two, three yards upfield. Um, I think they're wearing down a little bit. Their DBs, I don't think they can cover talented receivers. So even though LSU doesn't have the receivers like they had the last couple of years, they're still good enough. I think to just run by some of these guys here. So I know it's either TJ Finley or Max Johnson to be quarterback, but it might be good enough here. And the the last time Arkansas was favored or like a one point dog was Western Kentucky last year. They lost forty five nineteen. Once the year before, they're just not used to this type of you know situational setup. Even the thirty five points they scored last week, two of those touchdowns came in garbage time. I like LSU. Uh, 34-30 over a very depleted Arkansas squad if they even play the game. All right, so 34-30 LSU. This is what you do for a living, so I'm not not picking at you. But I'm like the eye test. LSU has looked terrible, and Arkansas has been outside the Florida game, which I know is the most recent game, Arkansas has been really competitive. Either Arkansas is going to dominate this game, and you know it's it's a I just think I saw something in the game last week, and I saw a team that looked played out. So we'll see okay. if it continues. That's that's uh, that's an interesting way to look at it. So uh, that's the pick from Lee. He's got uh, LSU winning at thirty four thirty as a favorite in Fayetteville. Let's go to the NFL for a second. Yep. Um, New Orleans and Atlanta. New Orleans is the favorite in this game. Probably going to be Jameis Winston as the starter. Certainly going to see some Taysom Hill in the mix, but we know there won't be any Drew Brees. No, uh, and if not for Todd Gurley's brain cramp, the Falcons would be 4-0 under interim coach Raheem Morris. Uh, Atlanta, uh, they've looked better and more rejuvenated since letting Dan Quinn and general manager Thomas Dimitrov go. Uh, Matt Ryan has picked up his game here, eight touchdowns, just one interception in the last four games. They were on the bye last week, so game planning should help them here. I, I don't think Jameis Winston looked good at all. I think the Saints, I said it two weeks ago, uh, before the Tampa Bay game, I thought they were going to be the best team in the conference. I think they will when Drew Brees comes back, but uh, Jameis Winston just doesn't look like a good fit, unlike <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater last year. So uh, I like Atlanta. I think they pull off the small upset, 24-23. I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. All right, so 24-23, Atlanta getting a one-point win uh, as an underdog. That certainly would be a, a cover. We'll see. That would yeah. uh, my, my, my compadres here, Mr. Borky and Mr. Haydad, they would both be uh, crying in their Thanksgiving turkey if that turns out to be the case. Can't win them all, the NFL. The Steelers will go down not this weekend. Uh, it's pretty tough to go through the gauntlet of the NFL schedule. Hey, what about this game out of the Sun Belt that probably is not getting as much attention as it should? Undefeated Coastal Carolina, one loss Appalachian State, who's kind of been the standard bearer in that league for the last few years. Coastal Carolina is a favorite in this game, I think uh, five, five and a half. Yeah, so if you haven't watched Coastal Carolina, watch this quarterback, this dual-threat kid. Richard Freshman, Grayson McCall, really good arm. Makes good decisions and a good runner to a little. I mean, he, you, you can't gauge how fast he is. He is super quick, averaging almost 11 yards per rush. Um, one of the top dual threat quarterbacks. I mean, both teams haven't really played anyone. Coastal Carolina played one strong team, Louisiana Lafayette, on the road. 
They win 30 to 27. App State won tough team. It was Marshall on the road. They lost 17-7. But if you watch App State, you watch Zach Taylor, their quarterback. He has not been 100% this year. Something looks wrong with him. Uh, numerous injuries and opt outs at running back and receiver. Uh, and they lack explosion. This is not a team. They used to have these big plays, hit for 60, 70 yard pass plays and run plays. You're not seeing it this year. I like Coastal Carolina. I think they stay undefeated one more week, 27 20. Tell me, Lee, did, did you load up on the over last night in that uh, battle of directional Michigan? <laughs> I didn't have that one. But, uh, oh! I actually had I had the night before I had Kent State when they scored 69. I'm like, come on, just score once more. we get we got to get in the 70s. And I had Northern Illinois last night. So it's been a good couple of days. I love Maxion. And I had my nephew. He's watching the games with me. So he's an eight-year-old quarterback. And he said to me, looks at me, goes, why is it when the spread, when I catch the ball, near the goal line, and I drop it, I usually get smacked in the face. And these guys are picking the ball and running in for touchdowns untouched. I said, welcome to Maction. That's what it's all about. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Lee, one more time. If folks want your picks, ParamountSports.com is the place to go. Yeah, check, I mean, we've got a lot of the videos. They want to check out other free pick videos, Ohio State, Indiana, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. I mean, that's always a great battle. And also two undefeated teams, Northwestern and, and Wisconsin, those videos up and available, ParamountSports.com. And you want to get those three free plays, just call right now. Uh, just give us your email, and we'll uh, email you those plays. Just my way of saying thank you, Customer Appreciation Week. Call that number, 800-400-9741. All right, Lee, hope we can do it a day early next week with uh, Thanksgiving just around the corner. Always enjoy our visits. You too, buddy. You have a great day. Great weekend. That is Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. What do you say we get to some bowl projections? Because who doesn't love bowl projections? Hey, Dad, let's do it. I love bowl games. I love, Stewie Mandel. Say what, Borky? I love bull projections more than Gordon Hayward apparently loves money. Did he walk away from that big offer from the $34 million he said no to. And you only do that, at least you hope, knowing that you've got a long-term deal coming. But that man Smart. sat down and decided, no thank you. On $34 million for one season. Good man. Does, does he think he's going to get a long-term deal from the Celtics or from somebody else? Not Boston. I don't think so, anyway. I mean, that's kind of been a weird relationship, anyway. Get off that sinking ship. Worst franchise in the NBA. Get him out. <laughs> um, I mean, they, they do, won't have Do you think money. that has anything to do with why they signed Aaron Neesmith last night? Or drafted Aaron Neesmith? Gotta be. They knew this was coming. A younger, cheaper, well, I mean, he has an injury issue himself too, right? And that's kind of been Hayward's deal. But a younger, cheaper option that is an elite-level shooter. I just, I'm trying to wrap my head around. And he knows he's got money coming from somewhere. But could you imagine in your life sitting down in front of a piece of paper that says, if you write your name right here, over 12 months, you will get $34 million dollars. And choosing to say no and walking away from that. I can't wrap my mind around that. So if he gets a multi-year deal, 
Where is it going to be? How much is it going to be? It, it depends I, on where he's going to go. I do think it's easier not to sign that paper in which you are guaranteed to be paid $34 million when to this point in your career you have already made $148 million. The money in that league for the players is absurd. And you made $30 million last year and $31 million the year before and $29 million the year before that. I don't know. I haven't seen anybody indicate where he might be looking because free agency doesn't start until tomorrow. Now, some deals will be made before then, but um, I mean, maybe even, I don't know what the heck Oklahoma City's doing. They're getting rid of everybody. Ubre left today, or they're dealing him for more picks. I don't know how they're, they have a roster right now, but they have picks and picks and picks. So maybe they make an offer for a guy like him use those picks and work their way into a deal and get another player and maybe Presty looks like a genius. But uh, I don't know who, who his suitors would be. An injury-prone good shooter, but not, not a great defender? I, I don't know. I don't know what his market will be. So he's not an unrestricted free agent until next year, though, right? No, he's a, he's a free agent. Okay, it was a player option that he declined. In, in, okay, so so the, the fourth year of the deal, the fourth year of the four year, hundred twenty seven, almost hundred twenty eight million dollar contract had a player option. So he declined that, and he said and no. is therefore free to go. Wow, good for him. I mean, Philly I mean, I might be looking for somebody. A, say what? Philly might be looking for somebody in that role. They got rid of Horford. I mean, if he goes and signs a three-year, $90 million deal, while the, the average annual would be less, I mean, if that's fully guaranteed, you guarantee yourself 90 over three as opposed to 34 over one with a history of injury. So, yeah. uh, maybe. It's more money. Good for him. Just can't wrap my brain around it. Anyway. The um, bowl projections I was alluding to, these come from Stewie Mandel at The Athletic. He says that it is going to be an SEC-heavy New Year's Day. This was written two days ago, Mandel writes, as of today, there are 36 bowls still scheduled to be played starting on December 19th. And because anybody can go to a bowl game, well, there are going to be a lot of SEC teams. He says the NCAA has waived eligibility requirements, meaning teams do not have to finish 500 to be chosen. This becomes particularly glaring in the SEC, where I have four teams moving up to the New Year's Six, at which point there are slots available for 12 of the 14 teams in the Southeastern Conference. Mandel writes that LSU or Tennessee could go 3-7 and seven and still play on New Year's Day. Wow. The New Year's Six bowl games. I want to make Oklahoma. fun of that, but I w- I'm going to watch. Yeah, I, I will. Of course. <laughs> Say hey, Dad. I'll watch. Cotton Bowl on December 30th, Oklahoma against Texas A&M. Sure. Peach Bowl January 1st, Cincinnati against Georgia. Uh, The semifinal games, Ohio State-Clemson, Alabama-Notre Dame. Oh, boy, love the parody of college football, man. 
Fiesta Bowl, January 2nd, Oregon BYU. That could be fun. Ooh, I like that. Orange Bowl, Miami against Florida. Hard not to like that. Hard not to like that. Mullen versus Diaz. I like it. Remaining bowl games. I'm not going to go through all of these. December 26th, the Gasparilla Bowl. Pittsburgh. Out of the Atlantic Coast Conference. Against Mississippi State. On December 26th. I would go if it was on like a better day. Are you going to put in a special request not to go to that game? Well, I mean, I haven't been to any this year. I can't imagine they'll send me now. But yeah, I mean, I would prefer, I would prefer not to go to that. Mm. Pittsburgh, Mississippi State, December twenty sixth. Independence Bowl, Washington against Army. It's okay. Wake Forest against UCF in the Military Bowl. North Carolina against Oklahoma State in the Cheez-It Bowl. Oklahoma State is still the Big 12's only playoff chance, correct? Because Oklahoma and Texas both have two losses. Yeah. Iowa State against Southern Cal in the Alamo Bowl. Okay. A lot of cardinal and gold happening there. Yeah, that feels a little random. Music City, Iowa, Kentucky. Ugh. My gosh, that you might as well just learn the rules of rugby if you're going to watch that game. Um, Where's the scrum? Liberty Bowl, West Virginia, Tennessee. A lot of drinking corn from the jar in that one. (laughs) Texas and Arkansas in the Texas Bowl. Yeah, give me some of that. Oh, man, Arkansas would eat that up. And then get beat by three touchdowns and not eat it up anymore. Last time those two played each other, it was borderline erotic. Get uh, You get Tom Herman potentially to 5-1 and in bowl games if Texas were to win that. Do you see uh, Burt is uh, legally sticking it to Arkansas still? Good. So they tried to claim that um, he didn't actively pursue opportunities to mitigate his buyout when yeah. he when he took the job to work with the Patriots, and his salary was pretty small. And they were trying to say that he took a very small salary because he knew he was about to get a buttload of cash from Arkansas. As it turns out, Belichick does not pay first-time assistants very much money. And so his salary was consistent with basically every first-time assistant under his staff, so Arkansas's got to pay Burt. And if I were a judge in that, or an arbitrator in that, I'd be look, I would look at them and be like, I'm sorry. You fired him. Pay the man what you owe him. It's not that complicated. Pay you didn't that have to man fire him. his money. Pay him. Pay that man. All night long. Check, check, check. He beat me. Fair and square. There we go. That's all we got to do. The Birmingham Bowl. New stadium's not done yet, right? We're still at the old gray lady? 
It looks good, but it is not done yet. Still at the old gray lady, LSU and Tulsa. What? <laughs> <laughs> From the national championship game to the Birmingham Bowl. Against Eek. Tulsa. Against the a lot Golden of different Earth shades games. of gold in that one. Sorry, Quinn, but Find they're the really flipping the we're, script we're here. The, we're at the end of the, the segment here. Where, where's Ole Miss? Wisconsin and Auburn in the Citrus Bowl, Boston College and Missouri in the Gator Bowl, and finally on January the 2nd from Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, the Outback Bowl, Indiana, and Ole Miss. Fun game? Back-to-back Florida Bowls for Indiana after losing to Tennessee in the uh, Gator Bowl last year. Wildly entertaining game. Ole Miss and Indiana in the Outback Bowl. It would be fitting for Ole Miss to make the Outback Bowl in a year in which nobody could go to the game. Because that's a game they would have loved to have played in a whole bunch of times in the last couple of decades. Send Borky, you get free coconut shrimp in the press box. Gotten a few messages in the last few days uh, from some of you that are trying to listen in Starkville on 100.9 FM WKBB. That is the studio in which Brian Haydad is sitting right now. We They're are trying to silence me. Yes, we are abundantly. Uh, I'm sorry, it's not the right word. We are aware of the uh, the issues and the engineering team at Super Talk Mississippi is working overtime trying to get that squared away. Uh, I would encourage you if you're listening in Starkville and it's kind of coming and going and you hear this, if you want to listen to the show, you can always download the Super Talk app. It is free and um, has had some updates and the streaming is uh, there and available if you would um, if you would like to listen that way. Of course, you can listen online. You can watch online at supertalktv.com. So uh, a lot of things that you can do. But uh, our apologies. We are working on it and hope to have that rectified quickly. If, if I just don't know what the COVID, definition of quickly is. If we weren't in COVID times, they could come up here. I could have a live studio audience. You could? I don't know how many people we could fit in this, this, this office, but... You're saying it might be at snug? Least, at least six. At uh, At least six. Sell tickets, you know, make a little extra money. Ceasefire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395. So those uh, bowl games we were talking about, Ole Miss, Indiana, in the Outback Bowl, does that do anything for you? <sighs> yeah, I mean, first off, there's a lot of ties there, right, with Tom Allen sure. and Kane Womack, so you've got that. And, and you know, Indiana's a good story. Um, Ole Miss is an exciting football team to watch. So, yeah, you, you got my attention. First it, it's... They could both be bad, and you'd have my attention. I'd watch the game, but that's that would be one I would actually be interested in watching. and wouldn't just watch it because, you know, I'm a college football junkie. I'm curious to see Indiana this weekend and how real they really are. Because it's one thing to even beat Michigan, and it's one thing to win games where you get a questionable touchdown call in overtime, and it was a really cool story. But it's another thing to beat Ohio State in Columbus, no less. In Columbus. I mean, crowd or no crowd? Yeah, it's still, just playing a road game is, is absolutely different. Those cardboard cutouts, though, in Columbus just yell differently uh, than the ones. <laughs> oh, it's... <laughs> But th- now we'll know. I mean, this weekend will be a huge litmus test uh, for them. Now, that doesn't take away from how good they've been under Tom Allen because they're, they're a heck of a story 
and National Coach of the Year should be something that he's up for. But we're really about to find out how good they actually are. Because this is an Ohio State team that, you know, spoiler alert, just like Clemson and Alabama, uh, they are elite at every spot. They have NFL players all over the field, and they're coached really, really well. Kevin says Indiana is sneaky good. I'm putting the Buckeyes on upset alert this week. I don't think they're sneaky good. I think they're just good. They're just good. Yeah. Just good. Somebody says if we lose to Indiana, we'll look like total tools. I, I don't know that that's well, the case this year. Um, no. Oh, no. No. They're a good team. They'll be a ranked team possibly when that if that bowl yeah. game were to, even, to play out. Even if out. they get blown out this weekend, they're still going to be in the top 20. And then they got the rest of the way in the Big Ten. They'll, they'll be a top 20 to 15 team. This won't be like when State lost to Iowa a couple years ago. Um, any of those other matchups that uh, that grab your attention? Oklahoma, Texas A and M. That could be fun. Yeah, that could yeah. be fun. That's that that that, that has a good good look to it. Texas Arkansas we talked about. That's an old uh, anytime a bowl game gives me an old school rivalry that doesn't get played anymore, I'm for that. I wish they could get Texas Texas A&M, but A&M is going to get, you know, better bowl than Texas is this year. Sure. Who would you like to I mean, in in this year, if Mississippi State has enough people to play, mm-hmm. who would you like to see them play in a bowl game? Who is the absolute worst pass defense in the country? <laughs> who is it? That's that's the team. I don't care who it is. Um, I mean, if I had my way, Washington State. Ooh, wouldn't that be the worst know, pass obviously. defense in the country? Based on what I've seen, is Vanderbilt. Never mind then. Uh, <laughs> and upon further review, <laughs> let's move forward. Um, yeah, Washington State. I mean, you know, Oregon is not an option. Obviously, Pittsburgh's um, not at the top of your list. I got nothing against Pitt. I'm a fan. Love the old school blue and gold uniforms. The uh, the Dan Marino Tony Dorsett look. Not what Pitt was wearing the last time they were in the Birmingham Bowl. Haven't they like? Don't they have to play property taxes in uh, Birmingham? Played in that game a bunch. I feel like they were in that game a bunch. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But I mean, it's it's no different than you know, it, Ole Miss in the Independence Bowl. I mean, they 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 got a lot going on there. Sometimes yeah. you just get stuck with a bowl, and it just for whatever reason. It's now been a really long time since Ole Miss has played in the Independence Bowl. State did what three Jacksonville to Tax Slayer Gator Bowls within eight years of each other. So, yeah. Which, with no offense to the Greater Shreveport, Bossier City metro area, Bonkies listen and be careful. I would think that. Uh, I would think that a trip to Jacksonville three times in eight years would be better. You, would you get think. Amelia Island, you get TPC Sawgrass, Sawgrass Country Club. Yeah, great golf huge, course huge, down there. Huge benefits for me. <laughs> yeah, huge benefit to you. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be back. Back with you for the 5 o'clock hour. It's Sports Talk Mississippi. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad, thank you for being with us. Let's go to the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Our good buddy from Houston, sideline reporter with the Houston Texans, radio, TV, and a bunch of other stuff, John Harris. He's at J. Harris Football on Twitter. Johnny, I hear you had a little uh, little surgery. You doing okay, my man? 
<laughs> Richard, I'm hanging in there, man. I, I told Michael I'm not my, my normal affable self. Uh, and when I used the word affable, my wife looked at me like I had four different heads. Um, but, yeah, I had, um, I had a herniated disc that had been bothering me pretty much all throughout football season. And got to the point where I had to take care of it, so I did it on Monday and just trying to, and trying to sit. I'm trying to stand. I'm trying to do anything possible to get this thing recovered and be ready to go for Sunday for our game against the Patriots. Yeah, well, you'll uh, you'll hang in there. I, I know you will, and uh, we wish you a a speedy recovery. What about this Thank game you, that we've got coming up uh, coming up tonight uh, with the oh. Arizona Cardinals and the Seattle Seahawks? Arizona, we've been saying for a couple of years now, they're fun with Kyler Murray, and it feels like now they're more than just fun. They're also good, and I'm not trying to create more pain for you when I mention the team that DeAndre Hopkins <laughs> is a part of. Sorry, bud. No, it's okay. I luckily then at NFC West, it's so funny because in my uh, post-operative haze on Tuesday night, I, I, you know, we found out about the Hail Mary actually on the plane coming back from Cleveland, and it, the, the reaction was probably perfect. One of the guys in our PR department was sitting next to me, six feet distance on the plane, of course, and I, I was able to get the the Wi-Fi for the plane to come up, and it says, it says. Hawkins, Hail Mary. And I'm like, oh, no. And so I find the video and I show it to him. And he looks at it. He, just, he literally just chuckled out loud because in Houston, that's all we really can do. I mean, we just chuckle because we had one of the, the greatest receivers and one of the most dynamic receivers the game has seen. And for some reason, our leadership at the time decided, eh, we could trade him. And it's just. You know, it's funny because I've spent my lifetime wondering, you know, should I get into coaching? Should I get into scouting? You know, could I be a GM? And, you know, you see these guys that get these jobs, you're like, oh, man, that dude's really talented. Boy, he knows what he's doing. And then you see what happened with us, and you're like, well, I would have known not to make that deal. I could have done that. Um, I mean, I made some of the other deals, but I could have known not to make that dumb deal. Um, and it, it well, really, you'll have to forgive me, John. I don't think you not making that dumb deal qualifies you to be a GM because if that was the case, hey, Dad and Borky and you and about yeah. I don't know thirty million other people would be GMs. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right because I think when that move was announced, I think four million plus people in the greater Houston area were like WTF. Uh, but it's it's <laughs> I mean I, I, there's no there's no positive to it for for us. But other than to just watch a guy, and, and I love Hop. I mean, Hop and I, you know, we got to be pretty close, and I just love watching him, and I love watching him do incredible things, and I love that great things are happening for him. Because if you know Hop's story, you realize, man, it was not easy growing up in his household uh, whatsoever. And he's made it through all of that to be one of the greatest receivers the NFL has ever seen. And I, I love for him the fact that Arizona has embraced him the way that it has. But, look, with Kyler Murray and what he can do on the ground with Fitz and Hop and Christian Kirk in the, uh, in the passing game, boy, Arizona can do kind of what it wants. And it showed how quickly it can do it, not only against Buffalo, but the last time it played Seattle, it was down by 10. Got it back, tied the game, won it overtime, and ended up winning that thing. So, they're electric. They're fun to watch. And even defensively, they roll the dice a little bit with Vance Joseph as the D.C. So the Cardinals are a really fun team to watch. The Seahawks defensively are just not great. 
So if you want to see points scored, this is your game. This is the one you definitely want to see. This is not going to be a Cleveland Browns, Houston Texans 10-7 kind of game. This is going to be one that gets up there in the 70 range, 37-34 kind of thing. And that makes for really exciting Thursday night football, to be honest. Total in this game is, uh, is 57. One more question about this ball game. Better receiver right now, DeAndre Hopkins or DK Metcalf? Right now it's Hop. Um, I, I think that watching Hop, and this is the thing I think that makes Hop great, Hop is probably, I mean, probably .2 slower than DK. But what Hop has learned, he's learned all the little tricks. He's learned all the little grab the DB by the, by the uh, jersey, getting close, um, all those things that I think, you know, the little tricks of the trade, um, I think Hop has learned. And the thing about Hop, and I think DK, you throw the ball in his area, he's going to go get it. I, thought, I don't know that DK right now has the type of hands that Hop has. But I think if you give DK a couple of years, I don't think it'll be close. I think DK is going to be the best weapon in the NFL by far in two, three years, no doubt. But right now, I'll take Hop because I know when the ball is thrown in his vicinity, that ball is as good as caught. John Harris on your radio. The last time we talked, I left you with a parting shot, and I promised that we would circle back to this because you gave me a quick answer. We were talking about different possibilities for NFL head coaches. We were talking about possibly the transition from a college guy to the NFL. There certainly are some names that always pop up in that uh, that discussion. And I asked you if Dan Mullen would be a good NFL coach. And you said yes. I have a little hesitation there, but I am interested in why you think he would be a good National Football League coach. Well, I think Dan's just a good coach, period. Now, look, there's there's been you know the whole thing with Florida and Missouri this year and, and, and that sort of thing. And, you know, he can rile people up a little bit. You know, he's a Northeast guy um, who's coming to the SEC and really kind of adapted to it. I, I think Dan's a really good coach, and I think you can adapt if you're a good coach. I mean, you look at Matt Rule. I mean, Matt Rule, and, I, and look, I know the Panthers are 3-7. and seven, Don't get me wrong. But the Panthers have been competitive in almost every game and yeah. Matt Rule didn't even see his players until July for the first time. So I think if you're just a flat-out good football coach, you can coach in the NFL. I, I, don't, I don't think there's a, a big secret to that. Now, you do have to adapt some of the things offensively, defensively, but the things that they're doing in the NFL now, those are things that college has been doing for a while. The RPO, um, those things man, they've been doing that in college for a while. So, you know, bringing even a collegial uh, sort of attack, a collegiate sort of attack to the NFL is not a bad thing. So, yes, there are some things you got to adapt, some things you have to adjust to. I think the biggest thing you have to adjust to when you come to the NFL is how you go from coaching young men to adults that might be fathers, that have you know, two, three kids that have wives, that have families. How do you go from coaching that group of young people from 18 to 21 to 22 to all of a sudden now you're coaching 21, and in some cases all the way up to Josh McCown, who's up in his 40s. How do you handle that part? But to me, if you can coach, you'll figure that out. Now, maybe not right away. 
And like I said, Matt Rule is a great example of that. Maybe not right away. And this is the power of a guy like Matt Rule. Matt Rule was 1-11 his first year at Baylor. Yep. And Chris Ballard interviewed him with the Indianapolis Colts, and he wanted to hire him as his head coach. He wanted to hire him before he even hired Josh McDaniels, but he just knew the optics of a guy 1-11. and And Ballard came out of there going, you know what, Matt Rule is going to be a head coach somewhere and be a really good head coach in the NFL. And I think that's what he's going to turn into. So I think if you can coach, you have to make subtle adjustments, but you figure out how to do it. And I think Dan Mullen would do that. John, about a minute and a half or so left. I'm I'm curious from your perspective, are the Pittsburgh Steelers the best team in the NFL? I still think it's the Chiefs. Now, I saw the Steelers in week three, and I think that they've continued to evolve, and one of the biggest pieces to evolve has been Chase Claypool. Uh, who is kind of Pittsburgh's version of D.K. Metcalf, to be honest. So that's a guy that's really developed for them. So that's added another layer to their offense. So I do think Pittsburgh's gotten better offensively, and the defense has been very good. But I just think in a one-game situation, I'm taking the Chiefs, and mainly because I believe in Patrick Mahomes. And I saw him at Texas Tech, and then I saw him live in the 2015 Texas Bowl against LSU. And I remember thinking that night, I'll follow that guy anywhere. I like that guy. I like what he does. I watched him on the sideline. I was down on the sideline. Richard, you know I'm down there for those games. I watched Mahomes and how he was. I'll follow him to the ends of the earth. And that's what I think I would do. Ben's a great quarterback. He's been there. He's won a lot of games. I'll take Patrick Mahomes against any defense in the NFL right now. That's a good answer. John? Hope you feel better, my friend. Get ready for Sunday. We'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it, Richard. Thank you, buddy. That is John Harris, sideline reporter for the Houston Texans. Always enjoy our conversations with John on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. So we owe you a Pearl River Resort pick of the day. I'm wondering if uh, John Harris just gave it to us. A little NFL action tonight. Fun matchup with Arizona and Seattle, both 6-3 and three on the year. Seattle is favored to win the ballgame. They are a three-point favorite. And the total in the game is 57. John th- said he thinks this game's played in the 70s. Do we like over the 57? That's a big number in the NFL. Do we like it? That's a big number. Seattle not been good defensively lately, and Russ is turning the football over a little bit too. Uncharacteristic turnovers lately for him. and Explosive offense on one side, bad defense on the other, paired with another explosive offense, and you got points everywhere. In their last... Five games, the Cardinals have scored at least 30. 32 in a win against the Bills, 31 in a loss to the Dolphins, 37 in a win over the Seahawks. Last time these two teams met, they combined for 71 points, 38 in a win over the Cowboys, and 30 over a win against the uh, the Jets. If you look at uh, Seattle in their last five games, they only scored 16 in a loss to the Rams, scored 34 in a loss to the Bills, 37 in a win over the Niners, 34 in the loss to the Cardinals, and 27 in a win over the Vikings. I like it. Let's play the over. 
Pearl River Resort pick of the day brought to you by the Sportsbook at the Timeout or at Timeout Lounge at the uh, Golden Moon Casino in Philadelphia. Your pick of the day over the 57. If you're able, you might buy the half point, pay a little bit uh, more of a premium and take it at 56 and a half just so you don't get caught with the uh, the hook or without the hook. Just saying. So we'll go over the 57 tonight for the Pearl River Resort pick of the day. Time right now for the college football fix. College football fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built for tough, but don't stop there. Remember, it is the holiday sales event. Great savings on the entire lineup. You can test drive the vehicle of your choice today at your local Mississippi Ford dealers. We talked a little bit about this earlier today. Georgia appears set to make a change at quarterback. JT Daniels, former five-star recruit, who transferred from Southern Cal to Georgia earlier this year, is expected to start for Georgia against Mississippi State on Saturday night. The redshirt sophomore has continued to get first-team work in practice going back to last Monday. That's according to sources. Daniels, who was a starter at USC before suffering a season-ending knee injury in the first game of the season last year, and then replaced by Keaton Slovis, had been uh, Georgia's third-team quarterback behind both Stetson Bennett and Dewan Mathis. Since getting medically cleared in late September, hasn't seen any game action thus far for the Bulldogs, who are 4-2 and two on the year. But that appears to be on the verge of changing, and it could potentially be a move to try and spark a passing game that has struggled in recent weeks. We were talking earlier with uh, with Lee Sterling, and he said he must have been really bad in practice. And maybe there's something to that. But what if it is simply he's just finally healthy enough to take enough reps throughout the week to be in a position to be the starter? Could there be something to that? Possibly. Possibly. There was a funny tweet on Twitter that said, you've never seen a, uh, a fan base that wants – their their transfer quarterback, they're where they're making the change to be bad. More than Georgia fans are going to want this because if he comes out there and just tears Mississippi State up, they're going to lose their minds. Like, why hasn't this guy been playing all year? But but you're right. I mean, it probably is a health issue. And and going back to why Lee picked the the uh, pick State to cover. I mean, when's the last time J T Daniels played? He's got to be a little rusty. State runs an unorthodox defense that's you know been pretty good this year. It's possible State could, you know, keep the game close for a little while. So yeah, I, I sort of, I sort of get where he's coming from. This might be the first time in history that a fan base will be more angry if a quarterback plays well. Yeah. <laughs> because but if again, he, looks I mean, if good, he hasn't been ready to go health wise, then yeah, I mean, that that's how you explain that away if you're Kirby Smart after the game. Hey, why why haven't we seen JT Daniels sooner? Because it's taken him this long to get healthy. Would people buy that, though? Because that's kind of his brand right now. Aside from high-level uh, recruiting, which is going very well, they just love REM, uh, the recruits. that Man, they just love it. Yeah. Um, his brand is bad quarterback play. Bad decisions at the position. Would that explain it away? Is that Kirby's brand? How is it not? I mean, 
Jake Fromm was pretty darn good. We're going to do this again. Who was better? The guy he ran off or the guy he kept? We're doing the revisionist history thing again of where they were when he ran him off or where Jake Fromm was. I mean, yeah, I mean, I... Of course Justin Fields is better than Jake Fromm right. and today. That is, and that is an indictment in a lot of people's eyes, except for yours, on Kirby Smart. And especially the people there are worried about the quarterback position under Kirby Smart. And then yep. this year happens. Justin Fields was better than Jake Fromm the day he stepped on campus. He has always been better than Jake Fromm. He will always be better than Jake Fromm. So Jake Fromm led Georgia to a national championship I, game and, and followed and, it up with a trip to the SEC championship. And Jalen Hurts did the same thing, and they changed quarterbacks. Good coaches make tough decisions. But Jake Fromm was playing better than Jalen Hurts was when they made the change. Was he? Yeah. Good coaches make tough decisions. So somebody say, like, that guy's good. That guy's great. We got to play the great guy. Okay. Jake Fromm in 17, so he played in 15 games, uh, 62% completions, 2,600 yards, 24 touchdowns, 7 picks. In 2018, 67% completions for just 2,700 yards, 30 touchdowns, 6 interceptions, 2019. <laughs> Those numbers are great! Would Justin Fields have done better? Yeah, absolutely. In that offense, would he have done better? Yes. I mean, it, what we're doing right now is, is I, I mean, it's good debate, but the thing is, it doesn't matter if Jake Fromm was good or not because the, the narrative around Kirby Smart is everything's good but the quarterback play. And, I mean, it, it could be wrong – factually inaccurate, but people are questioning quarterback decisions at Georgia. And then, if this kid plays well on Saturday, he was playing a four-string walk-on for multiple weeks instead of this kid, who was a, the former number one quarterback in the country that they got immediately eligible through Magic in Indianapolis to get him to play right away. And so, if he does play well on Saturday, that will just further confirm everyone's preconceived notion that Kirby does not evaluate quarterbacks well. It could be. I mean, you could disagree with that. I think what we've seen from Justin Fields' system or not shows you that he is immensely more talented than Jake Fromm. But, uh, you know, I have uh, a set of eyes that function. So, I mean, what do I know? <laughs> I mean, Dabo made the tough choice. I'm just choice. kidding. I'm just kidding. But that will be Dabo something Dabo made the that, tough choice. Saban made the tough choice. That will be something that, that faults Kirby. If Daniels plays well, whether it's fair or not, that will be something that will start following him around, is bad quarterback evaluations and decisions. I agree. Okay. By the way, part of the reason that they are looking at uh, JT Daniels as a starter and not continuing the Stetson Bennett the fourth story, since halftime against Alabama, when Georgia led, Bennett has thrown six interceptions and just two touchdown passes in the last two and a half games. And that was against Kentucky and Florida. He was benched against the Gators in favor of Dewan Mathis, who struggled as well. Kyle Trask in that game threw for 474 yards and four touchdowns. Bennett and Mathis combined to go 9 of 29 for 112 with two touchdowns and three interceptions. Might as well give somebody else a try. 
And so that somebody will be JT Daniels against Mississippi State on Saturday night. What happens if he stinks? Well, better go find a quarterback. (laughs) Then you only win 31 to 14. Right. In the macro, you're probably still beating Mississippi State with Stetson Bennett throwing left handed. But what happens if Daniel stinks? Because the freshman they've got currently, you can improve a lot from your freshman year and beyond. But who's in the portal? Got to be somebody. <clears throat> there are there always is a star in there somewhere. There is a question that has been asked on the ceasefire uh, text line that is going to take an intense amount of editing. But we'll try to provide some life advice, maybe. Well, we're going to do we that. Come back. Maybe. Sports Talk Mississippi. That was your college football fix driven by Ford. Life advice question on the ceasefire text line, to which there was a follow-up text which said, I know you can't touch this. I'm dodging grenades on two fronts with this situation and needed to vent to someone. Appreciate the outlet. I'll, uh, I'll edit. Cross, hey, Dad, Borky. What do you do when your recently divorced 47-year-old buddy is in love with a questionable person who is friends with your wife and he's only in love because they're having a really good time together? He's an idiot. curriculars are good. Enjoy the show. Go ahead, Dr. Cross. What do you say to your buddy? I say let him cook. <laughs> Enjoy yourself, man. I'm not, treat yourself. I'm not getting in the way of that. It's true love. Perhaps you're 47 years old. You're old enough to make your own decisions. Yeah. Might want to be careful with this one, though, bud. Just saying. I don't know where else to go with that. Yeah, other bad. than... Somebody felt confident enough in us to ask that question. I felt like we should at least throw it out there. Can you imagine if we did a show like that, like during the off season, like during the summer, we did a life advice. Text mm-hmm. us with your questions. We'll answer them. We, Dr. Phil type show. We just uh, we just can't read them exactly as advertised sometimes. Derek says, hope the buddy isn't listening. <laughs> that maybe, hope he is. We gave, maybe we gave he him is. Full, maybe he should confidence. be. Get after Derek, it, Derek, it was not nearly as specific as the question that was originally posed. It's true. David and Socher says, I will bet 100 push-ups that the UGA defense scores more than Mississippi State's offense. Who are you betting? Because I'm not getting in on that, I promise you. Bet 100 hot wings. You can buy my wings next Monday. Hey, by the way, I know several of you have mentioned, I, I mentioned this earlier, that uh, 100.9 FM, the affiliate in Starkville Golden Triangle, WKBB. We're having some uh, uh, satellite issues and people that are far smarter than us in the engineering department who are working feverishly on it, and hopefully we're going to get it fixed uh, as quickly as possible. Stephen Turner says, life advice with all the wrong answers. It's like a country song. 
Tell me, Ronnie love is blind Sefner. and overrated at the age of forty-seven. Jason says, "Mind your own business." That's the best advice ever if you value your friendship. My advice: tell him to have fun, but don't take her home to meet Mama. Tell your buddy, come on, man. Trent says, I'll give you a name to talk about that you haven't heard in a while. Patrick Willis. It was on this day where the infamous hit on LSU's running back. Who was it at the time? Justin Vincent. Justin Vincent. How was that that game? A little return to sender football style. Patrick Willis in today's game probably would have been called for targeting. I mean, he was a, was a running play. He ran right into him. That's a perfect form tackle, in my opinion. I agree. It would have been some sort of unnecessary roughness, though. Probably so. Randy and Loosedale says, when I was 46, I got tangled up with a gal down here that was significantly younger. It took me four months to come to my senses. But you had four months of a good time. Bet those were fun it. four months, though, bud. Yeah, just go with it. Hmm. I think I just better stay away from that anymore. <laughs> anymore. Well, By the way, his parting shot on both texts was, thanks, enjoy the show. We love you. He, he was talking about our show, by the way. I hope. Yeah. I think. Somebody's I think. offering him the advice to go see Dr. Harden. <laughs> hey, Dad's doing the giggle. The giggle laugh. Uh, ah, I forgot about Dr. Harden. Yeah. He took uh, took good care of me. Good job. Good care of me. Ah, I'm gonna cry, Jason. Mm. Ah. The uh, so we talked about the NFL game tonight. What about uh, in terms of college football on this Thursday night? Tulane and Tulsa. Can you get invested in that? Like even from a time standpoint. 6.30 on ESPN, Tulane's 5-4. and four. Tulsa is 4-1. and one. They're ranked 25th in the ranked, country. Yeah. Tulsa favored in the game. They're a 5.5-point favorite. Does that do anything for you at all? That is the minimum baseline college football for me. Utah State-Wyoming was canceled. That one was supposed to be played tonight as well. That's a shame. Pretty uh, reasonable slate of games tomorrow night. Syracuse and Louisville on ESPN at 6 o'clock. Louisville's a big favorite in that game. Syracuse 1-7 this year. And Louisville a disappointing 2-6, and six, and yet a 19-point favorite. How about a 2-6 and six team being a 19-point favorite? Well, I mean, we're just a week removed from a 1-5 a team being a, or two weeks removed being a 19-point favorite. Who? Mississippi State. Against Vanderbilt. Yeah. That's right. 
You're right. Uh, Purdue-Minnesota is tomorrow night. Purdue is a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road against a one-and-three Minnesota team. UMass and FAU, New Mexico and Air Force. The Air Force Academy is a seven-point game, and the uh, matchup between UAB and UTEP has been canceled. So they're not going to uh, not going to make that one up. So that's college football tonight and tomorrow night on your television. You want to be part of the show, you can do so. Ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. If you missed it earlier, we talked a little bit about this in the uh, at the beginning of the show. Two Mississippi State players drafted in the first two rounds of the NBA draft last night. Robert Woodard went 40th to Memphis but gets traded to Sacramento. And then Reggie Perry goes 50, 53rd or 57th? 57. 57, so late second round, mm-hmm. to Brooklyn. Which one of those guys makes it to the NBA faster? Woodard, I think. What Woodard, Woodard's game translates to today is NBA more. You know, he can play He's what they call 3 and D. He can shoot the three. He can play defense. He's an explosive athlete. He can create his own shot. Woodard, to me, will be a better pro than than Reggie Perry. How long a career does he have? He stays healthy. He could be a... Yeah, he talked about the comps he had for him when we had him on last week, and he talked about Wesley Matthews and then trying to become a Kawhi Leonard. Obviously, that that would be an incredible thing. The guy that I thought of, and Borky, you can help me here because you're a bigger NBA guy, Andre Iguodala, explosive athlete, big time dunker, got that you know muscular frame, but can shoot the three, shoots it well from the outside. Yeah, shot forty three percent this year. So that that was the guy I thought of. That's an interesting comp. Yeah, yeah, for for Woodard as I've watched him play, is he reminds me of Andre Iguodala. It's the guy that that's the case. You know, yeah, that's the same Iguodala that Max Kellerman on a national platform said that he would rather take a game-winning shot than Steph Curry. So follow your dreams, kids, because if that guy can make it on national radio and television, then anybody can. Is Sa- Sacramento, aren't they a team that was kind of trending in the right direction? Man, it they feels finish, like the finish, whole West is. Yeah, they finished four games out of the playoffs. Uh, they got some good young talent there, for sure. Uh, and they got new ownership, you know, or not new ownership, but like new management. You know, Vladi Divac is finally out, and uh, yeah, they're they're an interesting young team. But like Michael said, the the Western Conference, yeah. especially the Pacific Division, is really tough. I mean, it's everybody. Right, so so the, the Kings used to look at, and still, I mean, last season most people looked at it as a game that you should win, and they've got Darren Fox and Marvin Bagley and Bogdan Bogdanovich. Okay, I, I mean, did, did he blow up the trade to Milwaukee? Yeah, I something's believe, happening yeah. there. Yeah, he's not going to go. Hmm. Kyle Guy's on that team. Outside shooter out of Virginia. Buddy Heald's on that team. Used to light it up at Oklahoma. Yep. And that's one of the worst teams in the West. And that's their core. Yeah. Hmm. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.